Hello and welcome to Impact the Borough, a podcast from the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. I'm Brent Christensen, President and CEO of the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. Each week, a Chamber staff member will sit down with a guest to discuss what we're doing to start and grow businesses, create quality jobs, develop our workforce, and tell the inspiring story of Greensboro to the world. This podcast is brought to you by Truliant Federal Credit Union. As one of the largest credit unions in North Carolina, Truliant is proud of its work supporting the businesses and the people that make our communities thrive. Chartered in 1952, today Truliant serves more than 250,000 members, helping them and our community build strong financial foundations. There are five locations in Guilford County to serve you. Visit truliant.org for more information. Today's topic is social media for small business. Your host is Megan Mabry, the Chamber's Director of Marketing and Communications. For the past four years, Megan has endeavored to elevate our brand and inform the community of the great things happening in Greensboro. Prior to her work at the Chamber, Megan was an arts marketer, serving for more than five years at Triad Stage in Greensboro, as well as previous roles at Blowing Rock Stage Company, Barter Theater, and Flat Rock Playhouse. She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from the Appalachian State University and attended grad school in the Department of History at App. Welcome, Megan. Hi, I'm Megan Mabry. Um, I, we are here today to talk a little bit about social media for small businesses and um, not even just small businesses, but a few reminders for those of us that have been doing this for a little while of things to just keep in the back of your head when you're um, looking at your social media accounts and what you should be doing. So I am here with uh, Hannah Pomfrey of Hue and Tone Creative, and I'll let her introduce herself and tell a little bit about what she does. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me today. Uh, So I own Hue and Tone Creative. We're a boutique marketing firm um, located in downtown Greensboro, right on Elm Street, and we specialize in graphic design and social media consulting. Awesome. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about what you do for the Chamber so um, everybody knows where they've seen you? Yes. uh, (laughs) Yes. I've been involved with the Chamber and helping with their marketing since 2015. And so over the years, I've done everything from invitation design and email marketing uh, to managing all of their social media accounts. And right now I manage the Twitter. Awesome. Um, so yeah, so Hannah manages our Twitter account. We keep our uh, Instagram internal for the most part. We've uh, used a couple companies with that over the years. But um, yeah, that's really our, our two focuses are between Twitter and Instagram. So that's what Hannah helps us take care of. Um, so I think we've got a couple of main points that we want to go through here. So um, why don't you tell us our first thing that we should remember when uh, managing a social media account? Yeah, we've got a couple quick tips today. And so the first one is to set aside time each day to work on social media. Um, A lot of people think that it's just about posting, but it's also about setting aside time to interact and comment and build relationships with other people on social media. So I suggest finding a time of the day that works for you and kind of figuring out when you're at your most effective. Uh, For me personally, I set aside 20 minutes to an hour right after lunch to do a lot of interacting with people, pre-scheduling for the next 24 hours, and kind of just checking up on all of my accounts. So it might be that for you, you do best first thing in the morning when you get to the office or maybe right before you leave, but the important part is making it a regular part of your schedule. 
Absolutely. And I think one of the things that can be kind of fun, too, is if you have a couple of people on your team that you trust Mm -hmm. um, to also be able to um, just follow people. I think that was the biggest thing. We started our Instagram over the probably three years ago. Um, And that was the biggest thing at first was making sure that we were just following people so they knew that we were out there. Um, And we had probably three or four people on our staff that that was honestly their entire job um, on our Instagram. They didn't post a whole lot or anything like that, but they went through, while they're sitting at home scrolling through their personal Instagram, they just flip over. Um, it used to be a lot more difficult to do that. Now you can, it's really nice to be able to switch between Instagram accounts. Um, and they just switch over there and scroll through and like things and stuff like that just to give us a little bit more interaction um, than we typically do during the workday. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's really important to spend time kind of following the right people around town. Uh, Some people are really active, so you'll stumble upon their accounts really quickly, but there are other people that post really good content. They might just not post as frequently, and it's Mm -hmm. important to be engaging and following those people, too. Absolutely. So when you do set aside your one hour a day um, to do that or your 30 minutes, um, how do you think that you use that time the most effectively? Because we all individually, you'll spend 45 minutes aimlessly scrolling and then you realize, oh, it's actually I need to go on and move some, move on to do something else. So um, how do you propose everybody use their time most effectively on their social media? So I actually do set little timers for myself when I'm doing it because I have been known to spend 45 minutes just looking at recipes and not getting anything done. Um, So I typically spend about 10 to 15 minutes posting. Then maybe I'll set a 15, 20-minute timer to follow people and do comments. And then maybe give myself 5 to 10 kind of free minutes to browse around and see what I stumble upon. So kind of figuring out what your priorities are. You can also set timers for each account uh, so that you kind of – divide your time up well over maybe Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I I would say the more you can break it down for yourself into individual tasks and kind of time yourself, the better, because that's the best way to kind of keep yourself on track. So a lot of times people say to me that social media is such a huge time suck and it takes so much of their day. And part of that is typically that they are kind of getting distracted or off track when they're doing it. And so something that shouldn't take an hour is taking two hours it should really be taking five to ten minutes so exactly so I think one of the things that does keep you on that timer as well um, is making sure that you plan ahead and actually creating a content calendar so can you talk a little bit about what you've done in content calendars with um, your own accounts and with ones you manage yeah absolutely I think that um, it Having a content calendar is really important. Um, So for people that haven't done it in the past, a content calendar is really just a large spreadsheet or maybe a separate Google calendar where you plan out all of your statuses. And so you want to plan out things like what days you'll be posting, what time you'll be posting, plan out the specific content, and also what platforms you'll be posting on. Um, So this really helps when things do get busy or maybe you're out of the office with meetings all day. You've already got your status scheduled out, and so you can still get something up even if you don't really have the time to sit and do everything you would on a typical day. I typically make up my content calendars in Excel or in a Google Doc, and I like to do them quarterly, um, but monthly works as well, especially if you have a lot of content. It can be hard to kind of sit down and take the time to plan three months in advance. 
Exactly. Um, so I think that um, one of the things people ask a lot is when we talk about content calendars is what's the best way to figure out what time of day I should be posting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's different across accounts. I know um, uh, accounts that I've scheduled in the past were a lot more in the evening because people were doing a lot more social stuff mm-hmm. um, and doing it on their own time. But for the chamber, we have found that our daytime posting on Instagram and things like that are actually getting us the most engagement because people are paying attention to something work-related, and the chamber tends to be more work-related than a social entertainment type account. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you help people figure out what time of day they should be posting? Yeah, some of the apps like Instagram have built-in features that let you see, um, if you have a business account on Instagram, you can see when your audience is most active. And so that's a great starting point. Um, But a lot of times I tell people to just kind of do trial and error. Over the years, there have been lots of different, I don't know, headlines about this is the best time to post or this is the best time to post. But it really is pretty account-specific, and it does depend on what type of content or what your business is. Um, So I really say play around with it. Schedule a few in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and see if you do notice a difference in engagement rate. Yeah, I think that's a really good um, thing for people to do because they can, and things like, um, and we'll get into, I think our next one is focusing on platforms, but it's a good segue for that. I would have never guessed that the Chamber's most active social media account would have been Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, That is completely outside of the realm of most uh, things that you read about social media. So I think that uh, listening to your audience and hearing where they're from and paying attention to those engagements are so important. Um, So like I said, one of our our next tip is um, to focus on just one or two platforms. Um, I will say as from experience, when I came into the Chamber, we had a lot of platforms. Um, that we were on. I think at that point in time, we were up to about 40 separate accounts, which was a little crazy. Um, And we've pared that down quite a bit into the ones that are actually uh, really active and have the most uh, follower bases. Um, But can you talk a little bit about how to gauge which ones would be the most effective for you? Yeah, for sure. I think that people definitely feel a lot of pressure to be on every account. And while that would be ideal, especially for small business owners and one-man businesses, you don't have time to do it all. And so I think it's important to maintain one or two platforms really well as opposed to trying to be on all of them. And so in picking those platforms, I really encourage people to kind of think about the types of content that they have available So if you have really strong visuals, lots of pictures, maybe you're an interior designer, you work with people a lot, you're going to probably want to think about Pinterest or Instagram. If you have a lot of really in-depth content, maybe LinkedIn, or if you have a lot of written content, Twitter can work as well. Uh, Facebook is great for almost everyone, uh, especially if you have a storefront uh, because of the location features and the reviews. That can be really valuable for most types of business. But you want to think about, yeah, what kind of content you have available and also think about the demographics that are on these different sites. So you can start by just doing some Googling and seeing what might seem like a good fit. And from there, I would also suggest just kind of playing around with that too. Maybe set a one to three month trial period on a site. And if it isn't working well at the end of that trial period, don't be afraid to try something else. 
Absolutely. Um, I think one of the good things you can look at, too, is the demographics on your website. Yes. Um, that was, uh, we had not started an Instagram account about three years ago, um, and we got a new website, and the major demographic um, on there was 25 to 34, and that was very different from our Twitter, which was getting amazing engagement um, and was where people were telling us they wanted to find information. But the people actually coming to our website were that prime demographic for Instagram. So we decided to go ahead and start in that direction. And it's been super successful. So I think that that's probably a good thing to look at as well is um, who's visiting your website. Um, if you have a storefront, who's coming in your store and then kind of go off of those demographics. For sure. Yeah, there's a lot of data available and a lot of data you can collect about who your customers are and so it's important to kind of let that dictate how you plan out your social media. Absolutely um, and so I think one of the um, it's probably not as much now but one of the questions I always used to get um, about social media is do you have to have a specific voice? Um, do you need to speak in a certain way? Are there certain things that you need to be doing? Things like that but I think all of it does come down to have a conversation like a real person. Um, so can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think that it's important to have kind of your own brand voice, but no matter what, when you're on social media, you want to keep things really conversational. I think we've all probably seen social media exchanges get out of hand, and you definitely don't want your business to be one of those parties that is acting crazy on Facebook. Um, so you want to think about interacting with people on social media just like you would an in-person customer service exchange. You want to keep it really conversational. And while it's fine to correct inaccuracies in a factual tone of voice and kind of set people straight if they've gotten something really wrong, you don't want to engage in a heated back-to-back, back-and-forth exchange. So I would say that you, no matter what your brand voice is and no matter how playful you are on social media, it's important to just keep it really conversational and try to treat people like you would want to be treated. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and so I think the other thing that uh, people always ask is talking about the ROI mm -hmm. and how can they really measure success. Um, I know so many people um, that will – talk about social media by exactly how many sales is this going to get me or how many people is this going to come in the door. And it's very different for me. Um, my previous uh, job managing social media was very much direct ROI because it was ticket sales. And uh, so with the Chamber, it's a little bit different because we do sell tickets to events, but it's also a membership-based organization. So we've had to learn how to measure success a little differently. Um, and before I talk about how we've done it, um, how would you advise people to measure their successes? I think you do have to find something that is meaningful for your business. And so that can definitely look a lot of different ways. I think that the thing you want to do is resist the temptation to just measure success in post likes or page likes. Those are a good indicator that you're posting really relevant content, but they don't necessarily mean that social media is having a positive impact on your bottom line. And so I tell people to think about, in addition to direct sales, think about inquiries. Maybe people want to tour your space more. Maybe they're filling out a form on your website more. Uh, if you're getting new website leads or you're building new relationships or even if you're getting an increase in event RSVPs, those can all be good indicators that you're successfully reaching people and engaging them. Absolutely. Um, 
And so uh, let's kind of roll that into a little bit talking about advertising, because I know a lot of people have questions about, should I advertise on Facebook or Instagram? Mm-hmm. And uh, your six, what you have measured in success can also play into what you want to do with advertising. One of the things that people ask us a lot of times, and it can tie directly into measuring success, is how does my success translate into what should I do in advertising when it comes to especially Facebook and Instagram. So can you talk a little bit about um, advertising and how um, how you've managed that before? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can use a lot of the results from your organic Facebook posts to inform what you want to do with your social media advertising. Um, and you can also use things like Facebook Pixel to track successful Um, campaigns and posts that you've done and allow you to basically follow those people around the internet and retarget to them based on their engagement with your Facebook page. And so you gain a lot of valuable data from your social media posts, whether they were organic or paid. And so you can use that to kind of further your data and to learn more about your customers and who they are. Yeah. And I think probably my advice for a lot of people on that is to start small um, mm-hmm. and just see how it goes. Um, go through, see all your analytics, mm-hmm. see what's working, see what doesn't. It's the same thing with your posting days and types of content, all of those things. Um, the great thing about Facebook and Instagram advertising is relatively cheap to start out. So you can do a lot of testing to see what is actually going to appeal to your audience, what you're actually going to get. And again, if you've defined your measure of success in a way that's meaningful for you, you can also measure your advertising against that. For sure. Yeah, you can start doing Facebook advertising for as little as $10. Um, But one thing I do tell people, like you said, is just to make sure you have that metric of success kind of in your mind and are checking against it as you go forward. Um, Because I've definitely had clients in the past who have put a lot into Facebook advertising Mm -hmm. because they feel like they had to, but then they don't really walk away with anything from Mm -hmm. it. And so you definitely have to look at it like you would print or traditional advertising or radio advertising and see how many people you're reaching and see what kind of return you're getting. Absolutely. Um, So I think we have one more uh, bonus tip here um, because we have, I think, both ran into this in various uh, ways and or had to uh, fix something that (laughs) has been done from this. So do you want to give everybody our last bonus tip? Yes. (laughs) Our last bonus tip is to resist the temptation to hand your social media over to your intern. Um, So people definitely think that all interns are a great person to run social media because they're young and they use it a lot themselves, but that does not mean that they're who should be in charge of your pages. Um, You really want somebody who is really familiar with your business, who's well-equipped in how you like to handle customer service complaints, and who's going to be around for a long time to be the one in charge of your page. A lot of times interns are new to working with you, and they also tend to only be around for one semester. And so having that constant changeover will really disrupt the flow of your voice and kind of the just rhythm of your posts as you go along. So I highly suggest making sure that you as the business owner, someone on your management team, your marketing team, or an outside firm that's qualified as kind of who's handling Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) And um, for everyone who is saying, I don't have anybody else or I can't pay for something else, um, I would, and I have an intern, 
Um, I would definitely recommend the other tips that we have given of doing a content calendar, mm-hmm. things like that. Those are things that you can approve ahead of time, Absolutely. which make things a whole lot easier to schedule out to kind of see where you're going, see if your intern is got does have good instincts, is going in a good direction, and um, you may have a wonderful intern mm-hmm. that is able to do that. We've had a few of that on our staff as well, but you do have to give a lot of guidance in order to do that um, and make it relevant content for your business. For sure. Yeah, I think that it's a great idea to let the intern start gathering ideas or images to use or start writing up content for the content mm-hmm. calendar. I think the important thing thing is to make sure that you're the last layer of approval and that you're also the ones handling any kind of negative reviews or any kind of bad feedback that you get because those are the interactions that can really get off the rails very quickly. (laughs) And also make people nervous when and feeling something that comes a little bit more negative can always make people just a little bit more standoffish and get upset if especially if it's their baby and their project they're a little bit more wanting to say something back and that's not necessarily the best thing to do. Yes agreed. (laughs) Yeah you have to remember that where an in-person interaction with somebody, um, it it would only be kind of you and them face-to-face talking when it's online. You don't know how many people will see it. It might be mm-hmm. that person's friends, your friends, anybody that likes your page. And so you definitely just want to tread carefully and treat those uh, situations with as much care as possible. Absolutely. Um, do you have any last words that you would like to say to anybody? Or I think we are probably, um, I think that's probably about good to go for us. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing is just uh, to make sure that you make your public-facing marketing a good priority and remember that putting time into it can really help amplify your success and gain you new customers as well. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Hannah. Um, If anybody wants to uh, hear more about you or follow you online for some good examples, um, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, You can find me online at hueandtonecreative.com. So that's H-U-E-A-N-D-T-O-N-E (laughs) creative.com. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Truliant Federal Credit Union. As one of the largest credit unions in North Carolina, TrueLiant is proud of its work supporting the businesses and the people that make our communities thrive. Chartered in 1952, today TrueLiant serves more than 250,000 members, helping them and our community build strong financial foundations. There are five locations in Guilford County to serve you. Visit TrueLiant.org for more information. You can find all of our episodes on YouTube thanks to our video sponsor, North State. Impact the Borough is recorded at Press Play Studios. Producers are Brody Cohen-Glaze and Holly West. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GSO Chamber. See you next time.